Good morning, Crossway. And thank you, Dan and Chelsea, and William and John and Michael for leading us this morning. That was wonderful. Crossway, uh, Pastor Mike has had the chance to say this to you every week, and I'm glad to have my chance uh, to add my voice to his to say, we miss you. And we are eagerly looking forward to the day when we can, we can be doing this in person. And we know that this season of staying mainly at home is weighing on you in different ways, all the way from at one end of the spectrum, boredom and cabin fever, all the way to, uh, for some of you, grieving that you won't be able to walk in graduation or missing major school milestones or the loss of work and income, fearing for loved ones, grieving loved ones. We know this is weighing on us in different ways and it's not easy. And with the extension of Safer at Home this past week, we know that we're going to be doing this for a little while longer. And so we let's do again this morning what we do every Sunday. Let's look away from ourselves to God and to his word and to his son and, and see what he has for us. Let's ask him to open our eyes to his truth, to his perspective about what we're going through and what he wants from us in this season. So if you have your Bible, will you please open it again to John's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. We resumed last week our series in John, Words of Life from Jesus, and there are some precious words from us for us from this passage this morning. So look there in verse 31, and I'll begin reading from there. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Can we pray together briefly before we look at this?
Our Father, thank you that you are with us in our homes where we're gathered. And I ask that as we look at your word, that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. Help us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Jesus holds out to something, holds out something to us in this passage that, that nobody doesn't want. Freedom. There's no spectrum of, of preference on that. Some people prefer chocolate ice cream. Some people prefer strawberry ice cream. Some people prefer a night out with friends, and others prefer a night in with books. But nobody prefers slavery to freedom. Everybody wants to be free. But there are, we don't all mean the same thing by free or freedom. And so we want to, it's really important that we pay attention to Jesus this morning, to, to what kind of freedom he thinks we need, and then to how he extends it to us. And that's going to provide our outline this morning. We'll look first at our need for freedom, and then at the way to freedom. What we need and how to get it. First, our need for freedom. Jesus says in verse 31 some words that I think many of us will agree are magnificent. Look at verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yet his hearers don't respond as the, the, the way we think they might. We think they might respond with joy to that offer, and they don't. They respond by taking offense. Because they detect in this offer, the truth will set you free, the implication that they're not free already. And, and that might surprise even us a little in light of who Jesus is addressing here. Because look, look up at verse 31 again. It says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. So this is coming on the heels of what we saw last week that Mike talked about from earlier in chapter 8. When Jesus was speaking in the temple and he said to those gathered there, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so he's teaching them. And it says in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So it's, it's to these people who had believed him that Jesus says, you're not free yet, but I can make you free. And that's, that surprises us because we know from earlier in John's gospel that belief, faith, is exactly what Jesus is thinking, is, is seeking. So think back to, to chapter 6, um, where Jesus has talked about being the bread of life. Um, and remember that, that he said, and I want to quote it, they, they ask him, what must we be doing to do the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Faith is what he's seeking. Remember that in chapter 7, when Jesus stood up at the Feast of Booths, he said, he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So faith is what he's seeking. And yet Jesus says to these people who, who do believe in some sense, he says, you're not free yet. Why? Because Jesus knows there's a kind of faith that's not real faith. There's a kind of belief that, that likes Jesus, likes what he says, is interested in hearing more, but it only lives up here in the head. It's, it's not yet a commitment of the heart. It doesn't last. So think back again to chapter 6, after that bread of life uh, discourse, where, where John tells us that, that after he had said those things, that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. But some stayed, right? Do you remember, do you remember Peter 
in that, that, brilliant, that brilliant response, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So Jesus knows there are some disciples who aren't true disciples. And they're in danger of turning back. And he wants them to know they're not true disciples as well. So they don't stay there. He's calling them. He's calling us into genuine, lasting, liberating faith. So let's see how he does it. He says to them, remember, abide in my word, be true disciples, and the truth will set you free. And they say to him, who are you calling slaves? We are the children of Abraham. We're the people to whom God promised that he would, he would give us this land. He would bless us and live among us and give us peace. How can you call us slaves? And Jesus says in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He says, in effect, examine your consciences. Are you free? Or are there things in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you keep doing? You can't stop. You, it's, it's not, he's not talking about when he says anyone who practices sin. It's not sinning sometimes. It's a practice. It's a pattern. It's a habit. Are there habits of sin in your life? Are you free or are you a slave to sin? And it's, it's important to point out how contrary Jesus' definition of freedom is to the one that prevails in our culture today. When most people say they want to be free, what they mean is, I want to do what I want to do. I want to follow my desires. I want to say what I think. I want to love who I want. I want to go where I please. If I want to watch TV instead of doing homework, I don't want anyone to tell me to stop. I don't want anyone telling me no. Many of us think of freedom as having no constraints, no master, the ability to follow our desires. And Jesus says true freedom isn't the ability to follow all your desires. True freedom is actually the ability not to follow some desires because some of your desires are mastering you. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now, sometimes this bondage is obvious. There are sins we can't hide. Addiction is one. You can't not go back for one more drink or one more fix or one more bowl of ice cream. You say, I'm never going to look at that stuff on the computer again, and you do. But sometimes, sometimes this slavery is less obvious. It's an inability to forgive. You just can't let the bitterness go. It's an inability to turn off your phone and be present with the people around you because you can't not know how people are responding to what you just posted. It's the, it's the inability to work reasonable hours even though you see what it's doing to your family because you can't stand the thought that someone at work is going to think you're lazy. We think we're free, but many of us aren't. We're slaves to anxiety, to envy, to gossip, to the approval of others. Don't you see it? He's right. You always have a master. Or in the language that Jesus uses here, you always have a father. Look at verse 38. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Everyone has a father, not a biological dad, but someone whose voice you listen to, whose example you imitate, someone who provides the template for your life. And if your father isn't God, if it isn't his voice you obey, well, you're not going to like what Jesus says is the only alternative. 
Jesus here is keep insisting that they, they know whose children they are. Verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham. Verse 39, Abraham is our father. At the end of verse 41, we have one father, even God. They say, we know whose children we are, but your true parentage can always be seen. You're going to look like your dad. You'll walk like him. You'll talk like him. You'll laugh like him. You'll be kind like him. You'll be critical like him. There's always a family resemblance. So Jesus says in verse 39 to 40, the family resemblance is missing. He said, I know you're not Abraham's children because you're seeking to kill the one who's speaking God's words to you. And that's not, that's not what Abraham did. And he says in verse 42, I know you're not God's children because if you were, you would love me. I'm speaking God's words to you and, and you can't bear to hear them. Abraham's not your father. God's not your father. So who is? Jesus says in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Now this truth, which Jesus knew, is the same one articulated years later by Bob Dylan. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Everybody serves somebody. Everybody does someone's will. Everybody listens to someone's voice. The choice Adam and Eve had in the garden was this. Who is going to be my father? Whose children will we be? Will I listen to the voice of the one who made me, who made all this, who gave me everything good to eat, the author of beauty and the song of the stars, or will I listen to the voice that says, God is holding out on you. His ways aren't good. If you eat the fruit, you will not surely die. You'll be like God you'll be free. And we know how they chose, and we know what came to all of us. Death and slavery to sin. It all came through a lie. And that's why Jesus says in verse 44 of the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. He deceived Adam and Eve to their death. And he says later in the same verse, he's a liar and a father of lies. Why do we need to be set free? Because the default state of humanity is slavery. We listen to the voice of a father who does not love us. He tells us God's way is bad for you. God's way is boring. You will never be happy if you live the way he tells you to live. We listen to lies. And because we listen to lies, we do the will of the enemy of our souls, who was a murderer from the beginning. We do what he tells us will fulfill us and give us joy and peace, and rest, and it never comes. We just get more and more bound to it. And if we don't get free, that road ends for us the same way it ended for Adam and Eve, in death. Look back up at verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now Jesus has offended them by telling them that they're not free, but he's done it for a reason. He wants them to see their need for freedom, their enslavement to sin and lies. Not so they'll despair, but so they'll listen when he tells them, secondly, the way to freedom. If the way into slavery was a lie, then it comes as no surprise that the way out is the truth. Look again at Jesus' words in verse 31. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now Jesus says, there is such a thing as truth, not his truth or your truth, the truth. The truth is in my word, it's in my teaching and if you abide in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from lies. Remember last Sunday when we were looking at the passage about Jesus being the light and he says, if you don't follow me, if you don't walk in the light, you'll walk in darkness. And there are people, maybe some of us, who are, are stumbling and getting hurt and we keep hitting dead ends. We don't see coming because we're, we're walking in the darkness. You can't see the way to go. And the truth will set you free from that, free from lies. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The truth sets you free from lies and it sets you free from sin. If you trust in Jesus, he will break the power sin has over you. He won't make you perfect in an instant, but he'll break the chains that keep you coming back again and again to the things you know you ought not to be doing. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. If you trust in Jesus, he will set you free. Can we still be tempted? Yes, we can. But those who trust in Christ are no longer slaves. The truth of Jesus sets free from lies, from sin, and from death. One of the problems with being a slave, Jesus says, is that you have no right to stay in the house. You can, you can live under the same roof as the family, but you're not family. You don't get to stay. Look at verse 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Remember we saw back up in verse 24 that, that the end of slavery to sin is death. Slaves don't get to stay but sons do. And Jesus can make you a son, a daughter. Jesus said, or John said earlier in his gospel, in in chapter 1, verse 12, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's, There's an extraordinary richness to verse 36 here. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus takes us from believing lies to knowing truth, from serving sin to loving God, from being a slave to being a son. How does the son set you free? Remember, he told us that that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And yet he's telling these people the truth and it's finding no place in them. that They won't hear it. So what, what must Jesus do to bring us the truth? What must he do to open our eyes? He doesn't tell us here, but look back up a little bit in your Bible to verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. So when will we know the truth? He said it's when we see him lifted up. And where was he lifted up? The cross. The truth that sets us free from lies and from sin and from death is the truth we just celebrated on Good Friday and Easter. Jesus can set us free from lies and slavery to sin because on the cross, he was treated as though he had listened 
to the voice of temptation, as though he had believed the lies, as though he had given himself over to sin. He can set us free from death and the fear of death because on the cross, he took death in our place. The son of God has suffered all the consequences of sin and he came out alive on the other side. And that's why if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now this reality, this is the greatest reality in the universe, but it doesn't magically remove all the hard things from your life right now. It doesn't give you your job back. It doesn't give you your loved ones back. Not yet, anyway. It doesn't mean you won't get sick. But oh my, does it change our experience of the hard things. You are, you are not free right now to walk in your graduation ceremony. And you're not, you're not free right now to go out to eat. You may not be free to go visit your grandmother. But you have a greater freedom than any of those. You have the freedom of knowing the truth about God, about suffering, about where history is headed. You have the freedom not to live in fear. And behind and above your freedom, you have a father who sees you and knows you and cares for you. And he's working all things together for your good. All of this comes to everyone who, who knows the truth, who trusts in Jesus. Have you trusted him? How can you know? How can you know if you are a true disciple? He tells us, verse 31 again, if you abide in my truth, you are truly my disciples. What does it mean to abide? Well, we know, we, we know what an abode is, isn't it? It's a home. It's a dwelling. Where you abide is where you live. And Jesus is saying, live in my word. Dwell in my teaching. Continue in it no matter what. Listen to what I say about the love and goodness of God until all the lies and the doubts are driven out. Obey my commands, no matter how hard or counterintuitive they seem, until you taste the beauty of God's way of life. We think so often that freedom is the absence of constraint. But Jesus says that true freedom is the right constraints, being bounded by God's word and by nothing else. A few years ago, my family and I took a vacation out to Oregon to visit some friends who live there. And while we were out there, we decided to make a quick trip up uh, to Mount St. Helens in Washington State. Uh, our older son at the time was really interested in volcanoes, and we thought it would just delight him to know he was standing on one. So we drove up into the, into the mountains, and we were on these, these twisty mountain roads with these steep drop-offs right next to it. It was raining. The road was slick. The visibility wasn't great. I'd never been there before. Now, do you think I was resentful of the guardrails along the side of the road? I was not. I was grateful I wanted my freedom to go off the side, limited by something. The freedom I wanted was not the freedom to take my car wherever it would go. The freedom I wanted was the freedom to make it to the destination I desired. That's the freedom we're after. Freedom is not having no constraints. It's having the right constraints. God's word gives us guardrails so we can live in true freedom, so we can live as we were made to live. Now, maybe, if you, maybe some of you children have, like my children do, bunk beds. And maybe your parents have told you, and maybe you've heard, as my children have heard from their parents, not to wrestle on the top bunk. And I hope that you listen to your parents, 
But if you, if you ever didn't listen to them and you wrestled on the top bunk, you might have discovered that wrestling on the top bunk often ends in a fall and a bruise. And if you've had that experience, then you have learned the hard way that your parents' words are meant to keep you safe. They know things about the universe that you don't know, and their instruction helps you find your way, the way to true freedom. And God knows everything about the universe, and his words give ultimate freedom. True freedom isn't having no constraints, it's having the right constraints. It's not having no master, it's having the right master. Sin keeps us from what we are made for. Love and courage, and endurance, and integrity, and joy. And the truth of Jesus, his word, sets us free to run after that. Abiding in Jesus' word is what shows whether we're truly his disciples. If you're a disciple, his word will rule how you act and how you speak, how you work and how you rest, how you do marriage, how you do singleness, how you relate to your kids, how you relate to your boss, how you relate to the government, how you live during a pandemic, how you love during a pandemic. Is his word where you abide? Do you make your home in everything he says and everything this book says about him? Is his voice the first voice you seek in the morning? Not the noise of the news or the echo chamber of social media. Do you seek his voice first? Have you tethered yourself to a community of people who won't let you not abide in his word? Are you trusting his voice above all others? And are you obeying him? There is such a thing as truth. It came into the world through Jesus. It lives for us in this book. It sets free. And the more you listen to it, the more you experience the freedom that Jesus came to give, freedom from lies, from sin, and from death. And you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you gave, for what you paid, for what you suffered to make slaves free. Thank you for going to the cross for us. And we want to live in your freedom. We don't want to serve sin. We don't want to follow the enemy of our souls. We want to live in the good of what you made us for, the good you came to give, the good of your kingdom. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would set us free increasingly. Fill our minds with your truth. Change our lives by your spirit. Help us to live in all that you came to give. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, Crossway. We miss you, and we will see you next week.